0: Slash Awards only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
0: Grill, patio, sunset—hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time! So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under twenty thousand dollars just waiting for you.
1: I could stay
0: here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Welcome to Episode 247 with my guest, Danny Hatch. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour, a place for honesty about all the battles in our heads from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. This show is not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. It's not a doctor's office. I'm not a therapist. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for this show is mentalpod.com. There's all kinds of things you can do there. You can fill out surveys that we uh, could potentially read on the show. Um, You can take them all uh, anonymously and really kind of pour your Pour your soul out into it. It's a really, really big part of the show. For any of you that are that are new to it, you can join the forum. You can support the show financially. You can read blogs or guest blogs. Uh, all kinds of things you can do. So please go check out the website. Um, there was something I wanted to say, and I can't remember what it was. But I'm, I'm gonna maybe I'll I'll remember what it was. Um, this is an email I got from um a listener who calls herself Cleo and she writes um uh I thought I'd suggest having someone on the show who suffers from psoriasis if you ever get a chance. There's a strong link between psoriasis and depression, and I've been struggling with a severe flare-up of this stressful skin condition and looking for support. And in large part, thanks to you always touting support groups, uh, I have started to try using the National Psoriasis Foundation for its resources, online forum, mentor program, etc. I had no idea there was a link between psoriasis and uh, and depression so thank you so much for that chloe um man i get to learn so much doing this doing this podcast uh mostly uh i get to learn things that i hate about myself but occasionally there's a positive in there this is from the struggle in a sentence survey this is filled out by jay and about his depression he has postnatal depression which for some of you uh, who may not realize that men can get, um, uh, depression, uh, around the birth of a, of a child. And, um, about his postnatal depression, he writes, it feels like I'm an, uh, in, I'm an NPC in a video game and that nothing I does matters because I'm not the main character of this game. Yeah. I would imagine that that's, that's, um, Hard to feel compassion for yourself because you'd be like, Well, I'm not the one that carried the baby, so what the fuck am I complaining about? But, you know, one of the, one of the, that, that's one of the lies that, uh, the mental illness, uh, tells us is that, uh, we don't have as bad as other people, so we should just suck it up and ignore it. And how, and how's that working out <laughs> for all of us? <laughs> um, this is a same sentence filled out by a woman. I love this name. She calls herself Hope is a thing with feathers eating a smaller eating smaller things with feathers. I don't even know what that means, but I love it. Uh about being a sex crime victim, she writes your rape doesn't count if it was another girl. Um a quote by the voices, eyes and body language of everyone I've ever confided in. Man, that is that is one of the most nerve-wracking things uh i think for those of us who are survivors is opening up to somebody else and just reading every little nuance in their body language and their inflection just sure that they are they are going to uh, dismiss what it is that we're saying um snapshot from her life uh I stay after school during junior year to talk to my ninth grade English teacher, the closest I ever came to male approval where I did not have to be sexualized to be worthy of it. I tell him about uh, being sexually abused in my childhood in the hopes that I will see the belief, validation, and empathy in his eyes that I don't see in my father's. That moment of sheer terror where he was comprehending what I had said and I thought, oh no, my heart will be broken again, it lasted forever. When we finally did meet eyes. I saw tears in his, and he said, I knew your writing was too good for something to not have happened to you. It was honestly the closest I ever came to an adult taking on the responsibility of not protecting me. I cried too, knowing I couldn't hug him, wanting so badly to, um, but so, so full of gratitude. Thank you for sharing that same survey filled out by a woman who calls herself sleeping cat about her depression she writes my necklaces become heavy chains my purse is laden with bricks and my energy level is a dirty withered deflated balloon on the floor of a party boy is that a visual wow a dirty withered deflated balloon on the floor of a party i would go one further and i would say a party populated by people that annoy me cuz let's let's not let's not stop there i mean you know when depression is bad it is it just exponentiates uh about her codependency i can help i can help i can help wait i need help where is everyone it's so great thank you this was filled out by a guy who calls himself kw about his depression he writes inconsistent feelings about myself and where i'm going yes yes Oh, my God, the inconsistency, the back and forth. That is one of the things that is so tiring about mental illness is the back and forth. Oh, could my misery just at least settle? (laughs) Could Could you just settle? About his anxiety, an awful tense feeling I sometimes can't describe or pinpoint. Yes, yes. Thank you for those. Oh. Boy, you just nailed the the, fogginess of mental struggle. Uh, and then this was filled out by Sam, who writes about her uh, eating disorder, not otherwise specified. She writes, fat pieces of shit don't get lasagna.
1: My God,
0: somebody does what I've been doing. You're shame. You have boundary issues. I feel guilty for hating my mom. I will be high. That is when I first felt love, like I first felt reaching out to the people and sharing with the other people. um, This intimate connection where people do stuff for each other without wanting something in return. Yeah, I just, I surrender. I think I was 28 and that was the first time I ever experienced that and it was amazing.
2: I'm here with Danny Hatch, who is a uh, producer on the Keith and the Girl podcast, which I was just a guest on about uh, a half hour ago. And uh, Hemda, who's a previous guest on my podcast, said, you have to record Danny. He's an interesting guy. He's got an interesting story. He's got interesting issues. <laughs> and uh, he's super nice. And I said, uh, I don't give a shit. And I don't like the sound of his name. Good. Um, But you know what? Let's try it. I respond well to that kind of thing. Let's try it. Let's put him through the paces. Uh, you're how old, Danny? I'm 23. 20, youngin. Yes. Youngin. Yes. Uh, where are you from originally?
1: Oklahoma. Oh, that says Oklahoma it all. City. That, that says it all. Yep. Uh,
2: what was – well, first of all, give me some broad strokes. What are what are sure. the issues that you struggle with?
1: The big one is depression because mm-hmm. I'm a comedian, so I have to. It's like having a moleskin. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then stuff within that, like inadequacy and self-esteem issues, I guess that's kind of the same thing. Uh, lack of feeling like I belong places, some cutting, but that's not like a, that's more of a recurring thing than like a continuous issue. <laughs> nice to meet you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> she also,
2: uh, Hemda also mentioned, uh, uh,
1: about some sexuality stuff? Sure, yeah. Um, I'm bisexual. Um, but really only, I'm only really sexually attracted to men. I'm not emotionally or physically. I am emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, and sexually attracted to women. Um, but for whatever reason, I've had a, a, a hankering for dick in my mouth every mm-hmm. so often. Just like I, not, it's, I, I don't know. It's not anything i can really explain you you, you don't have
2: to because there sure. are, there are many of the on our show we have surveys that people fill out and i can tell you how many men have said that exact same thing that it's you something. yeah i think everybody's uh, got something that um, they don't necessarily they can't categorize that right. it doesn't uh, seem like it's you know, fits in with maybe the rest of the, you know, the mainstream idea of what sexuality is. But it it sounds like you're you're cool with it. The way yeah. you, you you talk about it doesn't sound like you. Oh, have have shame or anxiety about it?
1: No, I mean, I ha I need material, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's some, you know. Now that I you're know, you're
2: literally it, sucking a dick to get ahead. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. Just sucking it right out of there. Uh, all my jokes. Uh, and now that I know that people also in large numbers feel the same way, it's not as special anymore. I'll have to retire all my, all my one night stand dick sucking jokes. But I grew up like Catholic, so I was really ashamed of it for a long time. Oh, I, I can't imagine very,
2: how hard that must have been.
1: Yeah, it was, it was weird. It was, cause it, cause it's also like I wasn't even gay. Like I, I my body, it was like just choose something body, but I was, it mm-hmm. was coming from all, all across the board. Uh, what was, uh, what was childhood like? In Oklahoma, where in Oklahoma? Oklahoma City. Okay. A suburb, Edmond, the suburb of Oklahoma City. Um, It was fine. I. You were probably born. You were probably little when the bombing. Yeah, that was a little bit before we'd moved. That was about a year or two before. Okay. I was born in D.C. and my family moved, but we settled in Oklahoma when I was five. Um, But yeah, that was we saw the memorial every so often. So
2: you wanted to live either where the the (laughs) the bomber hated or where the bomber committed his hate. Yes.
1: Yeah. I, I, it was, you know, I got sick of Amara building stuff and I was like, I need a 9 size city. That's what I, that's what my talent deserves. So I moved to New York. So what, what was, uh, childhood and family life like? You know, it was fine. It was very, it was, it was very religious. It was very Catholic. Um, like church every week. How many I, kids? I was the first of five and then my parents remarried and my dad had two more, uh, daughters, but so seven, but really five okay um and it was good it wasn't it wasn't awful I mean everyone has something in their childhood but I'm not I don't I don't blame my parents really for anything maybe I blame Catholicism a little bit for the mess I am and so my parents deserve some of the blame for putting us through that but I don't they weren't like abusive okay um generally. even though I think I know what you mean by that could you elaborate on sure. blaming Catholicism it's just a very guilt-based and fear-based religion. It really hammers in the fear of hell and dying and death. Not even dying and death, but really hell um and doing bad. A lot of like punishment-based stuff. And, and I also think the idea that we are inherently bad. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I don't uh, Maybe think... I'm misinterpreting it,
2: but that's how I took it and that's how I've been
1: running with it.
2: Oh, For fifty-two you, oh, years,
1: <laughs> so you don't think we, we are bad. You think Catholicism saying we are inherently bad. That's that's the message I received. Whether or not that was the
2: intended message, that's the message I received. But also, a lot of that was put onto me by my mom and the sure. shit that she would say. Yeah. to me.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah. I, I I think we're just neutral, and bringing morality into it just makes it worse. Which is clear by every every religion does everything bad, like every bad thing. <laughs> It's either banks or religion you can trace it to. Um, But, yeah, I went to Catholic school. Like, I just really had it hammered into me, and I stopped believing, like, 12 or 13. I think I realized, like, this is – there's something not that's not clicking. How And how – I'm a dumb kid. How can I see this, and, like, my doctor father and all of my teachers who are adults are just buying into this, like, phony bullshit? Um, You know what? I think for a
2: lot of people, it's not – the people that truly believe, I don't think it's intellectual. I think it's emotional. And then their emotions make sense to them. And I think as
1: long as you're trying to do good in the world, religion can be an awesome sure. thing. I agree. But the, the Catholic, it's so weird because so much of the Catholic Church's teachings are like, give to the poor, be kind to your fellow man. Like it ostensibly is good stuff. But so much of what comes out of it and is like really encouraged by it is much more vile. Account. Yeah, the CEO raping
2: the world's resources and saying, well, it says
1: on page 64, right. God helps those who help themselves. Yeah. But the, but the cherry up. picking yeah. of the Bible yeah. is my favorite. Yes. Oh, it's, you know, gay marriage is awful because the Bible said so. But if the Pope says something about climate change, well, the Pope should keep his mouth shut and his yeah. matters out of religion or out of politics and focus on religion. It drives me crazy.
2: Yeah. I love, too, that the Pope is more ahead scientifically than some of our politicians
1: are. <laughs> Yeah, and that's really saying something. When you're behind the Vatican scientifically,
2: (laughs) you really need to pick up the pace. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I I don't want to turn this into a uh, religion bashing because I know we have a lot of listeners, um, who uh, religion is very important to them and they are leading spiritual lives and, and it means a lot to them. And, um, I just want to make that distinction. I do it all the time. Um, but I, you know i'm I'm a people pleaser, and I never want to alienate <laughs> sure. everybody, no, so let smart. me do my little fucking tap dance and um so what what was the emotional temperature of your family like life growing up were emotions expressed were they
1: yeah there was I was told I love you a lot of times by my parents, and even when they split up, they were very adamant about how it wasn't our fault and that they still loved us the same. It wasn't. It, it was it was very emotional, but on both sides. It was also very... There was anger, too. There was a lot of... I was very afraid of, like, my dad, like, getting yelled at or punished by my dad. Was he physically abusive or Not, just his voice was scary? Just his voice. He would, like, spank us up until we were, I don't know, nine or ten, and then it wasn't physical anymore. But it was still... It was... Yeah, it was very scary. Did he seem like he was on the verge of losing control? Um... Sometimes, yeah. but not not consistently, and I feel like everyone gets to that point sometimes, especially when you're a divorced dad with five children. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah,
2: I can't imagine. And the thing that we forget too is, um, you know, we're used to hearing uh, now that we're adults, we hear another uh, adult's voice, and it doesn't sound as intimidating. But you got to remember, it's like. Sure. Three octaves deeper than your voice yeah. when you were a kid. So imagine somebody three octaves deeper than like, your voice now it, screaming
1: at you. Yeah, it sounds like a literal monster.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, that must have been terrifying. Sure. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, there was still plenty of love. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was all screaming all the time. But a, I, a lot of the fear, so yeah, I said it, I didn't. I don't blame my parents, but I feel like the fear comes from both Catholicism and uh You know, memories of being afraid as a kid. Yeah, I I think a a, a lot
2: of kids um, experience that thing where it wasn't outright abuse, but it wasn't necessarily emotionally safe. It was hard to Mm -hmm. maybe hard to relax, and you didn't know what you were gonna get. And the parent might have been well meaning, but all parents are flawed. Yeah, exactly. And so
1: shit's gonna fuck with you. Yeah, and it's and I don't take it personally because again, all parents are flawed. But yeah, that's a really great way of describing it. So we're done here. Yeah, good to see you. Nice Your to meet you. Shortest episode. <laughs> I'm feel cured, by the way. This is great. Your website did not lie. All those testimonials <laughs> were right on the money. Are there testimonials? No, okay, not. I was going to say Jesus.
2: I, uh, I got to take those down. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, somebody made a, a, a joke before we started rolling about me fixing Danny, and I was like, oh, no.
1: It was very quick. To- I can
2: I can listen, but that's like one of my biggest fears is that people will think that I'm um, trying to fix people. And you know what? Sometimes I do find myself pushing people a little too hard to open up or to, um, uh, see, you know, the path to healing that I seem so obvious to me because right. it worked for me. And I get myself into trouble sometimes. So I, I, um, I overreact and just go to a place of shutting down and shame. And I'm a terrible person. And oh my God, I'm so pushy and manipulative and codependent and on and on and on. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when did you first notice the feelings that you were, what might've been depression?
1: Um, I feel like it got really bad around when my parents divorced. I was 11. I was 11 when they separated and 12 when it was all like said and done. um, and I don't know if that was just a if it, if that triggered it or if it just happened to happen at the same time. But it, that was when I I noticed like I'm I feel different than everyone than how I imagine everyone else feels. Like, did, you, did you feel all of a sudden less excitement and joy definitely, about life? Yes, for sure. So I'm sure that a lot of that was yeah. triggered by the by the divorce. Um, but I don't blame mm-hmm. the divorce. I feel like the depression is also a genetic thing. My mom is depressed. Mm-hmm. So I don't think... Maybe the divorce... Oh, could she not be? She got you for a kid. Exactly. I'm, <laughs> she was Fucking fine. Fucking disappointment. She was fine up until 23 years ago, and then her life went right in the turlet. Sad dick sucker walking around. Mm-hmm. In It's going to bring any mom down. Yeah, I got to be less hard on her, I guess. <laughs> like, I, I can't say hard on around her. Uh. <laughs>
2: So how did, how did the depression manifest itself when you first started to notice it?
1: Um, I just, I just became really withdrawn. Um, I was not, I wasn't really ever a popular kid, but I just became really isolated. Um, and, and just like a bummer to be around. Like I, my dad would say like my, and I would get in trouble for it. Like we would be like on summer vacation at like my grandparents' little cottage by the lake and he'd be like, I see you having fun and then remembering you're supposed to be sad and being sad say that again he sorry, <laughs> this is, see that's why i didn't get it either yeah. this is how <laughs> No, but he said like i i'm seeing you out there like having fun and then realizing that you're supposed to be danny who's sad and then being sad and that would frustrate my dad um but i i, I don't know i never so in in his mind
2: because you would go back and forth between having fun yeah. and being
1: sad that didn't feel authentic to him he's like which one are I, you is that what he was? Saying? Not in general, but I think I think he said like y- you go from having fun and then full stop, you'll just be sad. Yeah, that's the nature of depression. Yeah, right. Or even is.
2: worse, there's no fun.
1: Right, right. Well, yeah, there's the two poles that I'm, you know, oscillating between. Um,
2: is there, are you? Uh, have you been diagnosed as I'm, bipolar?
1: I don't think I'm bipolar, but I, okay. I have those ups and downs. Do you have manic uh, mania? I don't have mania, but I have like I have euphoria, and then I have the complete opposite of it. Mm-hmm. without long stretches of time uh between them do you have deaf leopards pyromania no but i lost my arm a year ago <laughs> and that was pretty tough i love that they never fired that guy yeah, That's that's encouraging that is they like one of the most beautiful things yeah. on the planet that
2: they kept a one-armed drummer
1: that's really cool who
2: did a good job he did added a foot pedal
1: sure that's how you do it that's how you do it um So you would kind of oscillate and you still oscillate between euphoria and depression? Yeah, definitely. Those are my two modes. I'm, I'm either like really happy to be alive and I love everything and everyone, or I'm just like miserable and anxious and afraid. You know, I'm no therapist or psychiatrist, but that sounds to me like what they call bipolar. Yeah, I think it does. Um, I've never been officially diagnosed, but then I've never really given psychiatry much of a try. Um, like I've 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 been diagnosed as depressed and I've been put on medication, uh, and but you're if, not on it now. I'm not on it now, and I fall into this pattern where I'll be on it for a few months, and it'll either start to work and I'll like it, or it'll start to work and I don't like it, and then I'll just stop doing it. Why would you stop it if you start to like it? Uh, once the refill runs out, and I'm just like, I don't like that I'm being controlled by this chemical. Uh, I just, it's not worth it. It's, I'm lazy. I'm apathetic. I don't want to make an appointment to get more medicine, so I'm just like, I'll just. I can deal i'm I'm strong, I'm tough, I hope you realize that that is the greatest hits of negative self
2: talk about taking meds that we all have,
1: sure, oh yeah, I don't think I'm special in yeah. this regard yeah. in every other one, sure, but in this one um I'm, I'm with the rest of the pack.
2: you know, is it possible to think about it that instead of this meds controlling me,
1: this med is helping me that much like insulin does a diabetic um it is possible. I don't know how quickly it, it will be possible. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I understand what you're saying and I would like to get to that point. Just but, throw, just throwing yeah. that out there. That helped me because um,
2: I just tried for – was constantly trying to get off them and it would always be a nightmare. Not necessarily right away but sometimes months later and um,
1: it just – I finally I think have surrendered to, to the idea that, okay, this is – you need it. It's like a person without a leg needs mm. an extra foot pedal. I'm sure arm, I will. Rather. I'm
2: sure I will still probably try to go off them again at some point in the future, and it will be horrible. And I'll Why? get back on no, them. Why now that you know that? Because in my mind, it's almost like the alcoholic that thinks that they can drink again. Mm. Um, right, I you, can control it. You, I'm me. You think that that maybe my body's changed? That maybe the the the, the story my brain tells me is that. I have processed something emotional that was the real culprit of my depression and it's not a physical thing that I'm dealing with. And intellectually, I know that's not true, but a part of me is willing to take that one in a thousand chance that that (laughs) is the case because I do have the option of going back on there. If there was no option of being able to go back on them, I would never, I would never chance uh, getting off them. which ones are you on? Um, or l- one, l- whichever. Uh, Lamictal, uh, Buspar, and selexa.
1: Okay, is Buspar like Bupropion and Wellbutrin? No, okay. no.
2: Um, Wellbutrin is is like Bupropion.
1: Right, I didn't know if the bu meant that they are similar. Like uh, types I don't of drugs. believe so. I
2: th- I think um, um, Bupropion slash um, Wellbutrin helps you with vigor and dopamine. And, sure, yeah. And I think yeah. Buce helps you with serotonin, serotonin and okay. anxiety. But I could okay. be wrong. I could be wrong. I, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I did sure. cook chicken on basic cable.
1: <laughs> so you're qualified. Which has got to go for something. Yeah. It's got to go for something. That's like a second-year psych student, I think. You have the it same is. level of qualifications.
2: <laughs> um So you would get – you're 12 years old. Your parents mm-hmm. are divorced. You would – at that point, would you
1: swing between kind of euphoria and uh, depression yeah, or was it just depression? It was more of just depression. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was, there was plenty of happiness too, but I, I definitely remembered. And at the time, like felt more heavily the depression part of it. Cause also you're a kid, like mm-hmm. no one has a good time at 12, 13 till whenever, but. I mean, it's crazy. That it was only 10 years ago. Yeah, I know. I'm, I feel like I'm still in the forest, you know, like I, okay. I'm not that far removed from this. So anything I'm saying isn't like a tried and true method that I've lived with for years. When's the
2: last time you had a suicidal thought? Um if ever. Uh I don't know. I don't I think if you're not paying attention, you everybody has suicidal thoughts. Sure, and I Or if you are paying attention, everybody has suicidal <laughs> okay, thoughts. Yeah. yeah.
1: I you know, I don't know if I I have had them. I think it's been a while. I'm very afraid of death. Death is something that really really scares the shit out of me. Um so I don't want to kill myself. It's it's more of just uh when I when I do cut myself, it's more of just like a relief, which uh, again I'm sure is the greatest hits of cutters is it just like I need it. Like it was it was an emotional. It was like a pain response to like an, a physical pain response to an emotional pain need. Was but, it um what was the emotion you were trying to purge? Um, ju- just it, it, anything. It could be like if it gets bad enough, it could be anger or just sadness or terror or like just complete worthlessness. But it has to get, you know, to a certain point. Mm -hmm. I don't just cut myself over every emotion. How old were you the first time you did it? Um, in my teens sometime, but it it wasn't, you know, it it went away. And then in my early twenties, which I guess I'm still in, it kind of came back. When did it come back? A few years ago. Um, it just, I don't know. It was like a, it was like a cheat code or something. It was like, oh, I forgot about this, this, like <laughs> this shortcut. To yeah, exactly. Better. Uh, a life, a wrist hack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and it, it for like a split second. It's great. And then like you see there's physical evidence now of this and it's like, oh, I guess it wasn't my wrist. It was usually my upper arm or, uh-huh. but, um, is that so you could hide it? Yeah, definitely. Um, but then I forget I do a lot of fucking stupid comedy videos of my shirt off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got to say, comedy videos with your shirt off is much more concerning than you cutting. Oh, definitely. I, I <laughs> That's it, a cry for help. This it's, is going to be a long podcast. But that oh, is a cry for help. Oh, yeah. The other one is just a releasing of the pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: it's pretty pretty healthy if you yeah, look at it. Yeah. i trying other one, to get help.
2: The other one is uh, Grounds yeah. for 5150.
1: Yeah, but so is having a podcast. <laughs> you know? So we're all, you know, They're, we're all a mess. We're all on the shit down here. We're all a mess doing the best we can and failing miserably. No, you're not. You're doing great. Emotionally? Podcast-wise. Oh,
2: podcast-wise, I'm I'm happy yeah. the, that the, the podcast is is doing well, but emotionally. For sure. I, well, sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> emotionally. I got my
1: metaphors mixed up.
2: I would prefer uh, more stability. Uh, so the the first time you, do you remember the circumstances of the first time that you cut
1: No, I don't. It's funny. I watched that movie, Secretary, and she can, she's telling James Bader she can point to every scar on her body and be like, this is, this happened here and there. Uh, and I can't do that. I don't remember the first time I cut. Maybe because I've blocked it out, or maybe just weed makes me forget.
2: Do you wish you could?
1: Um, maybe for this type of thing, like to back my claims up or something, Mm -hmm. but not really. I don't, it's not that much worth cherishing, Mm -hmm. you know? Or, or do you still smoke a lot of weed? Yeah, I do, which is. I feel like one day it, uh, could become a problem. <laughs> cause it's, <laughs> cause I can say that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. How much is a lot? Like an eighth every week and a half, maybe. Okay. Not a ton. It depends on how strong it is. Too. Right. It's, and it's New York and it's pretty good here. Yeah. Um, I'm sure in California it's also very good. Yeah. So it, yeah, I don't know. It's it's so good though. Like I enjoy it so much. Um but sometimes it does increase the the, the anxiety. So I feel like I'm going to be one of those people who's like, "Yeah, I used to love to smoke, but I just had to stop because of my anxiety." And every time I hear someone say that, I'm like, "How could you do that? Weed's great." But I feel like one of those days that'll that'll be me.
2: So you're 12, <laughs> right, you sorry. start
1: you start That's okay. Um
2: you're 12, uh, you start cutting what If we haven't if you If you'd like to – are there any snapshots of childhood up until – because I'm going to try to go a little chronologically. Sure. Any snapshots of your life up until you're 12 that that you'd like to share with us, little vignettes or moments in your life that you feel like give us an accurate picture of your your inner Mm -hmm. life or things you experience?
1: Um, Boy. (laughs) I know that's a hard – There's a lot of boys. (laughs) Um, well, one vivid memory I have from, maybe this is around, well, no, this would have been after 12, so that doesn't count. Um. No, that, that's fine. Oh, okay. This was, this was around maybe 13 when I had, uh, when I told my mom I was sort of like feeling, uh, gay thoughts. That's mm-hmm. what we called it in Oklahoma. <laughs> Um, and I told her like, hey, I'm having these thoughts about men and everything about this religion we've been going to once a week for the past X amount of years Has said, that's bad. Uh, and she took me to like a gay counselor. Like they had this oh, in Oklahoma. Dude, we're getting to yeah. the heart of it now. Yeah. We and, are getting
2: to the heart of it. And
1: to her credit, she only, she took me one time and we never went back. Um, so I, I hope we never talked about it, but I hope she realized like, oh this is, this was a mistake. I shouldn't. Yeah. But, um. He had me like read passages from the Bible out. He had me read like a, a passage from Leviticus about stoning men who lie with men. And the whole time, I was just like, "What? What am I doing here? Like, why? This is insulting and like scary and just stupid." Like, it, I was. That was. That person should be arrested. Yeah, I agree. And he was like a lawyer. He had like a he, he had an office that like we went inside of, and and. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Wow. I'm uh, dude, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Oh,
1: it's fine. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's more funny now. It's like, can you believe that that exists?
2: But don't you believe that that leaves a scar on your soul that, 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 that that creates a hurdle for self-acceptance that
1: didn't need to be there? Definitely. But also so did every other part of, not every other part, but a lot of, he wasn't the only part that was a hurdle in my self-acceptance you know what i mean he what wasn't, was some other parts well just the re- religion in general i think mm-hmm. he, you know he was emblematic of it but he wasn't the right. sole issue with it so how did you get out of having to go back there did you tell your mom i no, didn't we tech? just we just did, we didn't talk about it at all we didn't i we just it didn't come up again we just like went home
2: so do you think your mom was maybe just trying to do her part as a quote unquote good catholic yeah, Without I hope trying so. to push it
1: yeah that's what i'm like that's that's how I've tried to justify it, um, and I again I hope she realized like this is bad, because <laughs> she was there too. She was in the room. Have you ever talked to her about it since, not, since then? No, not about it. And there have been other issues with my sexuality that have come up since then that are more immediately pressing than that. Like they found they went through my email and like found uh, emails between me and Craigslist hookups from when I was away at college and that they like they shocked me with it to the point where the window where I could be mad about them snooping through my email had kind of passed because then the whole me had, admittedly I was having unsafe oral sex with men I didn't know and that's that's scary to a parent mm-hmm. um, and thank God I was fine but um I was really I, I was I was really pissed at them for that too and so I feel like I if I'm gonna talk to them about something regarding that it'll be that if I you know I got to build the courage up for that was that the first time they invaded your privacy like that um the first time as an adult I was I was I was either 18 or 19 so the first time that it really like stung and I was really like, they fucking did this. I can't believe they did this. Um, but, you know, I, we, we didn't have locks on our doors as kids. It's not like they would walk in on us in the bathroom, but like, mm-hmm. you know, the computer was in the family room. There wasn't a ton of privacy.
2: Do you think they walked by and just saw something on the screen or they oh, actively were like, something's up with Danny, let's get to the root of
1: it? I'm sorry. I mean, like growing up, the family, like they didn't trust oh, I us see. electronics. But then my, there was something wrong with my computer and my stepdad offered to fix it. And then on the drive back to college was like, I saw this and this in your email while he had my uh computer. Which really mm. pissed me off in retrospect. Yeah,
2: because you've got to open an email to exactly. To you're see not. Yeah, it does not like you didn't
1: stumble upon this. Right. Yeah.
2: Um. So let's go back to like when you're 12 yes. or 13 years old. You go to see that uh, Bible dude. Mm-hmm. That's a bad experience. Yeah, it was. What's What's another snapshot or important piece of your teenage life? Um. Inwardly
1: or outwardly? Inwardly or outwardly. Um, I just, I remember always feeling kind of, I'm sorry that I'm being so, I don't know if I'm being too vague or not. not it's hard at all. for me to pull. This is great. Okay. Yeah. I'm a comic after all. <laughs> There's, there,
2: I'm the same way. But it's so many uh, of the guests that I record afterwards were like, that was horrible,
1: wasn't it? Sure. That's <laughs> what, yeah. I, like, spoiler alert, you'll get that again after this one. No, I understand. I like understand it.
2: Yeah, most of the people who come on the show, we struggle with self-esteem, self-doubt, oh, sure. yeah. second-guessing ourselves. Yeah. Maybe I'll fuck with you at the end of this. I'll yeah. be like, wow, that was a waste of time. I mean, you I know, said maybe on I'll the... use it. Maybe I won't, but, uh, woo, it's not
1: looking good. I said on the show I wouldn't do this, but yeah. for real though. <laughs> um, I just remember feeling very, uh, black sheep within my extended family and my immediate family. I was, I never, I don't know. I was, I was the, I was the only boy. I had all little sisters. Um, I was. Ne- I feel like I was just never understood by people. Um, and now I feel that even more because my family is, and especially my set of family, is this big conservative Catholic military rah-rah type family that I just can't. Was there a sense that you were a disappointment to your dad? No, no, not a – no. And he – you know, to his – no. <laughs> so he wasn't like uh, – you know
2: marine cut hair gung ho he wasn't and it was more
1: it was more my mom's side of the family but it's the military family but okay. he i mean he was disappointed with my grades and you know my school performance was never amazing it was like Bs and Cs and so in that regard yes but not because of the choices i made and who i was just mm-hmm. in like the effort i Achieving. was putting into things yeah mm-hmm. um yeah, he was even when I told him I was moving to New York to like become a stand-up comedian. He was very measured and accepting, and he was like, "Good as long as you are doing what you want to do, good for you." Uh, they sound,
2: these parents sound like really decent people. They
1: are, they definitely are, and I want to like, I I feel bad that I'm saying my mom yeah. took me to gay therapy and yada yada, but they are. Well, I think it came from
2: a place of ignorance, not yeah. malice, you know, or it's, even
1: uh, wanting or even love, like because yeah. they've been taught. Yes, I don't want my son to go to hell. I want to, yeah. you know. They are very decent people.
2: So, um, your teenage, mm-hmm. your teenage years. Give me, give me some other snapshots some other or snapshots. memories you feel like kind of informed who you are today.
1: Um, so I did, I, I learned, uh, I learned in high school that I was, that I could make people laugh. I almost said funny, but then I hesitated because I still don't. <laughs> no, that's jerry stuff. a boy. There. Thank you. a boy. Yeah. I God, myself.
2: God forbid you give yourself a little tidbit of, uh, Little morsel of
1: self-congratulation. On, yeah, on, on the one, like, safe podcast place. That is so Catholic. Oh, it that is. is so, and yeah. I relate so deeply. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was not very popular in high school my first two years. My, my freshman year of high school, I felt we had, I went to Catholic high school and we had school-wide mass once a month and I fell asleep and got a boner. And then a rumor went around that I had a wet dream in church. So, so that was really hard to shake for a long time. But then I started making people laugh, like in class with wisecracks. Um, and eventually became the funny guy, and saw my popularity kind of reverse shift a little bit, um, which almost certainly informed my like <laughs> needing to do this. Yeah. Like my completely putting all of my eggs into this one basket. Is there anything better than going
2: from a, a social situation that is intimidating, intense, to people
1: <laughs> laughing at you? Laughing. No. And I've tried sex before and pot. I gotta put them both below that one on the list. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. And then my senior year of high school at the talent show, I did stand up for the first time. I did like a five minute set, and that went great. And really? I was like a hero? Yeah.
2: Because normally they're they're awful. Because they, you, sure.
1: Yeah. Um, but by that point, I was the funny guy, and I'd been like a. I I would have backed out of it if I hadn't been hyping it up to people. Like, hey, I'm gonna. We do stand up of a talent show. Yeah. And then every other act was a musician. So I feel like I was a break to them. They loved it. They ate it up. It was not great. The video's still online. Because in my hubris, I was like, yes, YouTube, immediately. Sure. Um, And I forgot the password on the account I used. So it'll be there for a while nice. until that EMP pulse from the Russians knocks all our electronics out.
2: <laughs> uh, so the talent show, you. Uh, High school, your sense of humor began to give you a a sense of self. What were the things you were still
1: struggling with? Had you stopped cutting then? Yeah, cutting wasn't a big problem in high school. Do you feel like the the cutting was
2: related to how you felt in your uh, – what your place in the world was and how you felt about your future or more to do with I've got a situation happening right now that's in my – present day life that is unmanageable emotionally for me?
1: Um, well, I hadn't until you said that. And then I started to think, I feel like in high school is when I was at my most stable, like in terms of, I had, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't super popular, but even the wet dream thing blew over after a while and I had some friends in high school and I feel like that was the most stable I'd been. And then when I moved here, like I lost all of, even at college actually was where I went to college for a year. And that was where it really got worse. But yeah, high school was good, and then it as soon as that um, infrastructure faded, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it did pick up again. So I mean, that that makes so a lot of sense. It related, yeah, to the, yeah. where
2: where we do we fit in somewhere?
1: Yeah, um, it's amazing how
2: at the core, so much of our stuff is anxiety about not being seen for our true selves, or not knowing mm-hmm. what our true selves, our true self is, and and, and what we want. Um it 's such a difficult thing, yeah, you know, like one of my biggest fears is that I have a distorted sense of who I am and i 'm actually a terrible mm. uh person that is deluded yes. and is just causing
1: disgust <sighs> in, in that I just leave a wake of disgust I would in my path i wouldn't I would never like seriously entertain this notion, but I would every once in a while as a kid, get the thought like, did my mom pay people off to like enjoy me? Like, <laughs> that's like fantastic. Did she did she pay my teachers to say I'm a good writer? Like, is all of this fake? Like, that's the kind of brain I have. I can definitely I get it relate to you. I get it. Uh,
2: so you get to college. Uh, are I we skipping over anything? Or
1: no, not really. I had yeah. so I started dating a girl a uh, senior last semester of high school, um, which started great, and then we continued it after I moved here, and it fell apart. But that was. College, college is more pressing than that. The relationship thing is fine. That did was, you study in college? Uh, well, I, I, I was an English major, but I only made. I went to the University of Oklahoma, so they called every freshman. Technically, you were a university college freshman. Like mm-hmm. you, you had you, you don't, you didn't really get to declare your major until your second semester after you'd taken like requisite math and science mm-hmm. courses. But it would have been English. But college was really not for me at all. I had a really bad college experience. Oh, um, so. Uh, I just really shut myself away. Um, I know ne- I didn't go to class. I was just too depressed to go to class. The one good thing was the newspaper I worked on that became like where I spent all of my time. But I wasn't just like lying in my room. Um, and it was a it was like a, it was a waste of money. Um, and just a really bad experience. And so, how many years did you do? Just one, just two semesters. Okay. Um, I get a a lot of um
2: people sharing in the surveys a similar college experience where they just um and guests too
1: yeah i heard chris gethard say that college was when it when it turned around for turn around for the worse for him
2: and people with um mental illness it really if it's going to bloom it seems to bloom in those years mm-hmm. for a lot of people in the between 18 and early 20s
1: that makes sense i had been i, I was di- i was uh put on zoloft at 18 that was the first what was that how was it? Yeah. I didn't like it. I don't think that the serotonin drugs worked for me. Um, Were you taking them as prescribed without getting loaded and smoking a shit ton of weed? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't drink. I was. I didn't drink or smoke really until I moved here. Um, because it was hard. It was hard to in Oklahoma. Like it wasn't that hard to, but right. it, was, it was. It wasn't it's, it's as easy as, as it here. is here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you couldn't just stumble onto the subway to get home. You yeah. Know, to figure out driving, and I was afraid of my parents still, and now they can't do anything.
2: What, you were afraid that if you got caught getting high or something, you'd get kicked out? Yeah,
1: I'd get kicked out or in trouble. My dad made me sign a contract. He paid for half of my <clears throat> tuition, but he made me sign a contract saying, like, I wouldn't drink. <clears throat> Sorry, I have Sorry. all this cum in my throat from my college days. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't drink. I would, I would maintain, like, a three-point grade average, yada, yada, yada. So I was really – I did not want them to know mm-hmm. that I was drinking, so I just didn't do it because I figured, you know, how great could it be? And the answer is pretty great. <laughs> Which you, I'm know, sure you know, we've, we've, we've joked a lot about
2: the, you having sex with men. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder underneath the jokes, I want to know how you really feel, uh, sure. about it. And does it scare you how some people might view it, scare you that it's not something that's easily definable? Um, Cause I, I just feel like, yes, there's this humor that you and I are sharing, but I also get the feeling like there is a, there's some fear and discomfort sure. underneath there.
1: Um, I would say, yeah, I would say at this point, there's the least fear and discomfort there's been, but there's still some there. Um, you think you can kind of articulate what, what those yeah, might I, be? Yeah. I think, um, I think a big part of it is it's hard for me to define and it's hard for me to, even for myself, it's hard enough for me to define it for other people, but for me to my, I don't even know what it means. It's just kind of vague unease. Yeah, but I don't, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's like my body turning on me, like my impulses defying what I understand. Um,
2: like a, like a disconnect between how you were raised
1: and. And how you feel like definitely like and this is my fault. Most of the time. Yeah, I don't even know it's my, I don't think it's my fault. Yeah. You know, I feel like this no, is No, it's your a, fault. Yeah, Sure, I mean... I'm telling you. Insofar as much as everything is. Yes. But this one specifically. Um, I mean, I feel like that's a good example of the whole, it's, you know, it's not a choice argument that you're born this way. Because I, you know, if I could, if I could control this, I don't. I, I wouldn't engage in it. I don't engage it. I have a girlfriend now, so I haven't. It's been almost a year since the last time I hooked up with a guy. But it, even when it's happening, it's I'm I'm not enjoying it as much as as I imagine I would be. Like I build it up in my head when I'm jerking off to it, and then mm. when it's actually happening, uh, it's always a letdown. Isn't that all all sex? It's <laughs> right, sure, <laughs> but it, especially for men, I think, because it it. Yeah. it, it it gets built into this scary and sexy thing. And like, it becomes so much bigger because of how sc- scary is a, a weird word, but how weird and how, uh, I don't know. I guess scary it is.
2: Um, what was the point that I was going to make?
1: Grinder. You should get on grinder. <laughs> Something about me oh, making jokes. It- Cause I don't know how to talk about myself.
2: No, would it, Would it be fair to say that there's a feeling of sadness that your body slash sexuality has let you down because it's not what the rest of you
1: wants? Yeah, not even sadness, just confusion. And yeah, I'm not sad about it. I'm not, I don't, I think it's fine. I I don't think I'm a bad person for these urges. I'm not sad Mm -hmm. that I have them. I'm just perplexed by them. Why, what perplexes you about them? Um, I don't know. I guess cause I was raised with, with an idea of very strict gender. Like gender was not fluid. I was not raised to believe gender and sexuality were fluid. I was, if you, you like women or you are bad and you like men or, you know, you I mm-hmm. mean the same sex or the opposite sex. Um, and not even bad, just, just it's ideal to like the opposite sex. And I did, but also I had these, I had these urges I didn't understand. It was like the enemy creeping in kind of, mm-hmm. which, and now I know it's not, but it, At the age where you give definitions to things, I defined it as the enemy, sort of. So almost like you've been hardwired
2: to have these feelings about what is good sexuality and what isn't, that even though intellectually now you understand it's okay to be the way you are, those wires are so entrenched in you that it's there's a disconnect between the emotions of how you feel about what your sexuality is and what you know your sexuality is. Yes. I think a lot of people... Um, feel that way. I think so many of us have areas of our sexuality that we're that we're uncomfortable with. You know, there are times when I masturbate and I'll and I'll find myself feeling shame afterwards, and sure, it's like yeah. Jesus, all I did was all I did was come fantasize about yeah. something. And why am I? I mean, that's 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 what jerking that's off is for, yeah,
1: right? It's yeah, you you, you literally purge the demons. You. It's 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 a healthy place for those thoughts. It's an arc of poison.
2: <laughs> you are arcing poison in your own private little space. Yeah,
1: it's yeah exactly. My my the, my jizz makes a nice arc. It's. I was wondering. You yeah. get a little you get a little hy- yeah. uh, parabola going. Oh, yeah,
2: I do, and a little fireworks shoot out when it's at its Ooh, apex. Ow. Ouch! Ouch! Yeah. it, it might good. be VD. I'm not sure. Yeah, it sounds a little. It, sounds- it can be very confusing. All I know is there's fire. Okay, there's and the works. Work. Uh, so. Do you feel like as time goes on, that wiring that you're wrong or there's something in that you should be different, do you feel like that's beginning to erode or is it still uncomfortably strong in you?
1: Um, I feel like it's beginning to erode definitely in terms of my sexuality. Um, It doesn't bother me as much as it used to, but um, I still if have extreme inadequate maybe extreme is strong maybe the fact that I just qualified me to finding my inadequacy means it is extreme <laughs> but you know I feel it certainly in other areas like in uh, in myself self-esteem is self-esteem and just I'm just afraid all the time of everything
2: give me the greatest hits of
1: the fears and the low self-esteem talk in your head so the fear the, the, the big fear is that someone close to me will just die and I Will be unable to. Hand- I won't know how to handle it because I really haven't handle s- it emotionally. Yeah, mo- I'm worried that I'll just fall apart because yeah, I handle it emotionally. I don't know. I don't trust myself. Like to- somebody's death will kill you. Yeah, maybe not even kill me, but just no, like- kill you. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> Make it so, uh, just, or kind of render you incapacitated. Yeah, which I guess is selfish to be afraid. I'm also, you know, I'm afraid of losing a person, but I'm also afraid of what it will do to me. Yeah. Or, I have that around
2: dogs, or my life changing uh, much oh, yeah. more so than. Uh, and I, I think it's because the dogs, um, the fear is that they would be in pain and unable to express it. With a person, mm. at least they could say, "Can you please help get get me this? Can you do this for me?" But, um yeah so I'm sorry to sidetrack it with that, but
1: you're afraid of the dogs dying and not being able to tell you they're in pain, yeah. or
2: okay, yeah, that they would be suffering, and i wouldn't I wouldn't know it, and then they would be gone, and I would have been beating myself up with, oh, if I'd only known that 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 it had cancer, sure or, it, sure. or you know that it it its heart was beginning to to fail, one of our dogs has a bad heart, oh but anyway, I'm sorry to hear that
1: um So the fear is, the fear is more of it just like all of a sudden this person will be ripped away from me just like that. Just they'll they'll be in a car crash or they'll like a a huge fear of mine is that my sis one of or you know x amount of my sisters will just die in a car crash. Mm -hmm. And like as soon as that fear started really happening, a week later they were in a car crash and they didn't die, but just like getting that news from my mom Mm -hmm. was a real mind fuck. So your sisters are underachievers, exactly. They (laughs) or the airbags are overachievers. I feel like not dying in a car crash doesn't count as underachieving. Uh,
2: Do you think that the anxiety is more that you'll be overwhelmed by negative emotions or that you'll feel, I don't know, if abandoned is the best word I can come up with
1: by them not being in your lives anymore or both? It's, it, I wouldn't define it as abandonment because I feel like abandonment, I feel like a person. Loss. Abandons, yeah, loss, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's the loss. It's like death is so final and, and a lot of, not a lot of even, but in some cases just so random and like cold. If it's done well, if it's not, yes, if there's, (laughs) (laughs) if it's executed to
2: perfection, it's it's sudden and cold and it's sudden, it's painful and
1: awkward. Um, awkward. Oh yeah.
2: A good death should be awkward. Somebody should shit themselves.
1: Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I agree. I didn't even realize I felt this way, but yeah, I I feel better about death now. Just a load full of stool, looking at the sky. There's pennies. What? <laughs> is that what happens when you die? You see a bunch of pennies? I think a
2: good awkward death on a sidewalk in front of strangers would would be those three things.
1: Oh, just seeing pennies on the ground on the sidewalk. Thinking
2: you see, like hallucinating, thinking okay. you see pennies, but in only the sky. pennies,
1: not even like silver dollars. No,
2: we got to aim low.
1: Okay, got aim low. Even even in death, an underachiever. Even in
2: death, an underachiever. Okay. I'm sorry, I keep. Uh, no, it's okay. I, I this keep is how I... No, on please,
1: this. you're it's like we're mirrors of each other. The
2: name of the podcast is Two Uncomfortable Men. Mm-hmm. Sweaty um, also. Sweaty. Uh I sweat so much when I, I do, do podcasts. Too. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm
1: always just drenched. Yeah. Um
2: so the discomfort, uh, the the intense fear of mm-hmm. uh, somebody you love dying. Uh what are some of the other fears?
1: Um I guess like just my life changing, like getting fired or having to move back home and just like my, my, my life complete. I'm, I'm only able to, how do I put this? I only have enough faith in myself to like live this life that I'm in right now. If something sudden changes, I don't think that I'll be able to, it's like something sudden changes for the bad. I don't think I would be able to handle it. Well, I don't mm-hmm. have enough faith in myself yet to like be able to come back from something like that. You
2: know, it's funny as you're saying that I'm thinking, well, you had this to you traumatic change in your sexuality when you became 12 or 13 and all of a sudden sure. you are and and it's, it became for years this burden of, of shame with you.
1: Yeah. And I feel like also the divorce is something too. That was a a huge change that just happened, you know, that, that I couldn't control just like death. But, But it was your fault
0: yeah it divorced.
1: was it was i saw i read their diary a few they, they shared a diary even after the divorce oh if I, danny
2: wasn't such I, a terrible kid our love wouldn't have yeah, shattered
1: the other four are fine but that one is just he's enough to bring down the average for everyone the other four are, 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 are little angels Just angels that keep us together
0: mm-hmm.
1: but <laughs> but not even they are strong enough
2: danny and his gay thoughts our little have, our little trash son is torn us asunder yep um so, uh, change is, is terrifying. Change is
1: terrifying. Yeah. Change of, uh, I, I must've been really hard for you to decide to become a stand up comedian. Well, in that case, the change was better. Cause I was just in a rut in Edmond, Oklahoma. Like I was uh, dropped out of college. I was working mm-hmm. in an Arby's and a thrift store. And I was just like, I got to change something. So I moved here very suddenly. I was like, I'm leaving in a week and I left in a week, which is the only way I could have done it. Cause then, then I would have just talked myself out of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like it was a vague plan to one day move to New York, but eventually I just said to myself I have to do this right now or Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good, and but that was still very scary, but it was in that case it was coming from a worse situation to a better one. What are the some of the other big fears? Some of the other big fears. Um that I will that I won't uh be famous, which I know is a gross fear to have. Thank you but. for
2: admitting that because I had that that fear. Uh, when I was your age and who knows, maybe I would still have it if I hadn't gotten the little sliver of recognition on TV that I did. But I think in, in our brains, that's the only
1: kind of love that we can really see happening. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) Or, or it's the only kind of love that I can see being satisfied by. Like, if everyone loves me, like if everyone is telling me you're great, Danny, then I'll believe that I'm great and worthy.
2: Yeah, and you would never hear anything negative on social media no, that not. would make yeah. it confusing yeah. or unsatisfying. <laughs> That's the so.
1: lie I keep telling myself. It's so stupid that I can onward yeah. ho. <laughs> onward ho.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, that is a. I'm not going to get lectures. Um, is that even a word? Oh, but, um, the best advice I can give to somebody who's, who's starting out in a creative endeavor is to just focus on what you have control over. Mm-hmm. And if you love that craft of it, um, that, that will become enough because worrying about who likes you and who doesn't is awful. It, it still sends me into, Shame spirals. Oh my God! Fear that I fucked up or looked like a hack or yes, yes, you know, had a bad interview where I made somebody uncomfortable. It's uh, it's visceral.
1: It It is is. absolutely. It's it's, yeah. We sorry to cut you off. No. Um, but we did. Do you know the best show with Tom Sharpling? Mm -hmm. So we. That's a show that I've been a huge fan of. Um, and we were just on it to promote this tour, and I thought it went great. And I go on their message board, and there's so many comments like. Who's this clown? Who's this Danny guy? I did not like that Danny guy. And I had to physically, I had to like stop myself from refreshing that page because I was just like, it was masochism. Yeah. Like it stung me so bad, but I was like, I gotta see, I gotta see more of it. I gotta like obsess over this. I gotta like, I gotta read all this guy's tweets and see if he thinks this about other people or if it's just me. I gotta, I was like tracking people down who were saying bad things about, not even bad things, but just that they weren't funny, but that was, that really affected me so much. I did that when I first started doing the
2: podcast and, um, it, it drove me crazy and I, I really try not to do it much anymore. Every once in a while I will, but, um, it just hurts too much.
1: Yeah. Cause there's always going to be people that, that don't like you, even though we
2: know that intellectually.
1: Yeah. But like, yeah, seeing physical evidence of it, it's so easy to dash. I've, I've said shitty things online. I've said this album sucks. This band used to be cool, whatever, like not. And now that I'm sort of in that position, like, that's that stings so much. Like if I was in a band and I read that about my new album, I'd be like, Jesus Christ! I knew I should hang it up. I knew I should hang myself after after a third album.
2: Yeah, it's um. So uh, the fear that you're not going to become famous, um, or
1: really, that I'll just die insignificant.
2: That's probably one of my deepest
1: fears: is yeah. that my life will
2: be forgettable.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a terrible fear. Talk about that. It is. Um. It is well. Hemda said something uh, that was kind of encouraging, but also I feel like in this case could be discouraging. That is, you don't truly die until the last person on Earth says your name. Like until the last person says your name, you don't die, or something. You know, yes. how chicks are and they're talking. The Japanese
2: say there are two deaths. The
1: or maybe the, that was it. Yeah, yeah the, yeah. the the
2: death of your body and then the death of your memory.
1: Yes, yes. And that was helpful. Uh but at the same time, it's like, well, what if? What if? What if that's like ten minutes after? The first one. I'd actually like to reverse them and jump off a building as everybody standing around me goes, Who was that? Yeah. D- dinner in a film? <laughs> he was he, he cooked on TV once. Guy Fieri died. <laughs> oh, you couldn't have picked somebody no, sorry. I like less. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, I try not to ever talk badly about. Uh, Paula Dean died. <laughs> I actually prefer him really? or her to him. Wow.
1: Yeah. He's that bad. It just, he just rubs me the wrong way. You're not a donkey sauce kind of guy. <laughs> donkey sauce. That's so gross. He reminds
2: me of that. Um, what was the Simpsons episode where the, the dog had the glasses and the catchphrase and the skateboard? And it was just like an amalgamation of all that was hip in that mm. two year period. And I just feel like,
1: like he's just, it's just everything about him f- just feels kind of manufactured and, sure. ge- and generic. Yeah. He's like 2004 Green Day. Yeah. He's like what a marketing exec would think a punk is. And it has n- nothing
2: whatever.
1: to do with the fact that he worked way more than I did in the food
2: industry. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it, Danny. Of course not. That- nothing to do with the fact that he—that would be ridiculous—has a hundred times more money than I do.
1: Yeah, you would be petty if you were mad at him for something like that. It would be absolutely petty. It 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 makes much more sense to be angry about how he looks. No, my side of the street is clean. (laughs) So, um, you
2: have, you have the fear around your life being forgettable.
1: Yeah, that's a big one. That's, yeah, that's a really big one. And it's one that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super lucky that I'm in the position I am here at Keith and the Girl. Like I have a, I have a weekly show that I just have an hour to like, develop my voice and say things that's more helpful than doing you know 23 minute open mics and much safer a week and much safer yeah exactly um but then at the same time there there's this feeling that i'm i'm always like the second banana to these you know first bananas Mm -hmm. um which i'm not complaining about which is great but i don't want that to be the end of it, you know what i mean like i would like i would i would like to one day ascend further and be known more for me even for my association with two people who are already established um but at the same time i think this is great and i could never have imagined this for myself 5 years ago
2: and, and to which i would say enjoy being the second banana because you don't have the pressure of being the first banana. Sure. And it wasn't until I started headlining that I realized how awesome being the middle comic (laughs) was because there was no pressure. The checks weren't going out. You didn't have to do as much time. You didn't have to follow somebody who was as good. Right. All all those, all those things. So enjoy not having the pressure of that and use, use it that time to really, really pursue, um, what's, what's in your soul and who you are. And, uh, without that kind of that kind of pressure um Hmm. thank you that i wish somebody would have would have told me that to enjoy my years as a feature act that headlining is going to have some brutal nights but there's more (laughs) money but there is more money so and that's what it's all about yeah
1: that's what it's that's how success is measured literally yeah that and twitter followers (laughs) well then i'm poor well okay me too (laughs) but you know we'll get there um so fear of uh, life being forgettable, what are, what are some other fears? Jeez, um, I, I wrote some down. I have, I have some let's notes in my pocket I made that I just forgot to – oh, they're right here. See, I didn't, I didn't want to go to the notes because I was like, I'll make a scene going into my pockets. So I could just – well, let's see. I wrote some down. Um, yeah, the death thing is a big one. We already talked about that. But my grandpa just died uh, this week, his I'm funeral sorry. It's okay, I wasn't super close to him, and a fear I have now is that now I'm not feeling much about all now the death thing has happened to me and I'm not like am I just a sociopath? Am I just like a, a robot? And granted I wasn't that close to him and he was certainly of the homophobic conservative uh strain of my family um but yeah that's that's something that has been eating me up this week why haven't i mourned this person who hated what i am not even hate (laughs) didn't know what i am yeah or was loved he loved me he was you know but i remember sitting i I was visiting one summer um maybe a couple years ago uh and there that's it's like the type of household where fox news is on 24 7 Mm -hmm. um and and there was some state that had repealed the gay marriage that had you know repeal the gay marriage ban and I remember him watching the celebrations on Fox News and going like or footage of the celebrations because bankers weren't celebrating and him saying like Sodom and Gomorrah right there society's you know going to shit he wouldn't have said shit but <laughs> and mm-hmm. me thinking like I'm right next. you don't even know but I'm just sitting right next to you and you said that I must have it was weird that was conflicting that seems like a uh
2: spinning it in a positive way to say it was weird <laughs> and, and <laughs> not to
1: yeah
0: yeah have it, be it more is b-
1: fucking painful than yeah. and that is yeah um so yeah but i loved him and now he's dead but i'm not i'm like i'm trying to think of like i was i'm trying to make myself sad like i felt some weird numbness at first but i'm trying to like think of times we were together to like trigger some sort of emotional response to me but i've cried twice
2: about my dad since he died mm. in 06 the first time was the the weekend that i went home for the funeral after he died yeah it was like two three days after he died um and then the next time was a year later when I realized I could never call him and ask him a sports question mm. again. And I felt oftentimes like I'm, what am I, dead inside? Right. What's wrong with me? Yeah. And I, you know what? I think it's normal. I think we cry or mourn when we do, and it's no indication of, of, of who, who we are. You know, my dad wasn't an easy guy to get close to. My dad I don't have a lot of fond memories with my dad. Um So I mean did you
1: have a ton of fond memories with your grandpa? No, I didn't, that's the thing. I had I had I had some nice I had, you know, pleasant memories, but nothing, There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. In my opinion,
2: I cook chicken <laughs> on basic cable.
1: That's true. You are second
2: second year psych student? Some of it had spices underneath his skin. Ooh. Some of it was broasted.
1: Cumin. Uh were you were afraid of cumin? Wow. You want some cumin? I'm afraid of cumin. It smells like B.O. It's just so hot and painful. I don't like spice on food. I never understood I
2: mean I like some spice, but think I don't like cumin is hot and painful. Uh huh. Uh I'm a, I'm a
1: huge weekly. I think you just revealed that. Yeah.
2: I can't even imagine what you would look like if you ate a habanero.
1: Oh, bad. I look horrible. Uh, maybe cumin on, uh, maybe cumin mixed in with food. I'm talking like a spoonful of cumin. Couldn't do. I would just be awful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't like, I don't, I don't get how people like torturing their mouths. Like, what is the fun in your mouth being numb? And the dead? endorphins, the endorphins oh, okay. from it. Okay.
2: Yeah. You basically scare the shit. It's a Halloween <laughs> movie for your body,
1: for your mouth. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> for your mouth. All right. That makes, that's no one's been able to explain it to me like
2: that. So your grandfather died and you haven't felt like you felt a bit like a cement block because you haven't.
1: Yeah. Like my mom, my mom texted me while I was like in the process. I, I wasn't, I hadn't started jerking off yet, but mm-hmm. I was like ramping up. And then I see she texts, we called him Colonel. He was in the Navy. She texts Colonel died. And I remember thinking like, huh, oh man, but not like, oh no, this is, you know, he was old. I didn't know him that well. Logistic and all. Yeah. All logic says I shouldn't feel. I shouldn't beat myself up for feeling nothing. But my brain is not great at processing logic, probably because of Catholicism.
2: I I think the greatest waste of time in our lives is saying to ourselves, "I shouldn't feel blank." Fill in the blank. I shouldn't feel mm. something. There there is no benefit to ever doing that.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, there's not. But still, you feel what my, you feel. I'll do it again. And I will probably yeah. before I'm even home, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> probably before I'm even home. You're not even at the building yet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's some of the, uh, give, give me some other fears or some negative self-talk that,
1: um, so I feel we've touched on this a little bit, but, um, and I, I feel like this goes hand in hand with self-esteem, but I don't have any, I don't, I don't have any, um, I don't have any metric for how, like, I don't, how do I just, boy, oh boy, this is horrible, isn't it?
2: Welcome to my world. I'm doing the thing again. Welcome to my world. Yeah.
1: there. I've edited
2: it out on episodes, but there's been times where it's taken me 15, 20 seconds to collect my thoughts, mm. to try to figure out what it is I want to say to a guest. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. No. Um, I feel like I have no way of telling if anything I do is funny unless someone else gives me some sort of either laughs or tells me. It's normal. Okay. That's normal. All right. So, boy, it was a waste for me to come on here. All my fears are... <laughs> run of the mill well let's put it this way i relate to them, right and i've had them that's good every single fear that you've shared maybe i'm you from the past (laughs) but like a fuck like from a like from a differently fucked up (laughs) timeline
2: maybe maybe this is
1: all like a big
2: mc escher uh time portal yeah
1: wow this what? is like podcast history right here. This is this is
2: let's not go that far. <laughs>
1: okay. This is I'm not the president and you're not Mark Marin. That's true. But it's pretty good.
2: I am enjoying the hell out of this, I gotta oh, say. Thank you. Me too. Yeah.
1: This is very this is very helpful for me. Just to hear you say that I'm not a as crazy a person as I thought I it was.
2: It's it's such an unnecessary burden to think that we are freakishly different and mm-hmm. doomed. Sure, yeah. And yet every day I think So many of us, that's our mantra going through our head. It must be.
1: But I can't, like, I still feel like I'm separated from, I I still feel like no one else, I still feel like I'm the crazy one. But yeah, it must Mm. be. Like if the subway walls could talk, they must just, they would kill themselves. Oh yeah. All that anxiety and neuroticism in New York just crammed in there.
2: Crammed in there. And the other two things I think you add in living in this city is people constantly thinking I need to make more money and get the fuck out of my way.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Or what's your deal? Like (laughs) constantly on guard and yeah. yeah. I don't know why I pay so much money to live here. I don't know why anyone pays so much money to live in New York. There's an
2: excitement to being in New York, but I've never lived here. I've only visited. It's,
1: I feel like it's just to say that you are living in New York. Like I'm, it's like I I did a Tough mutter. I didn't do it, but it's like being able to say I did a Tough mutter. It's a cultural Tough mutter. Exactly. Yeah. I live in New York. Yeah. What do you got?
2: And I think you, you feel like it's one of the scariest things you can do. So. Sure. Yeah, a little feather in your cap. Yeah, definitely. I went there. I did yeah. that. I survived. Yeah. Um, give me some some um, some of the
1: greatest hits of negative self talk in your brain of negative self talk. Um, what are you doing? This this. Why are you wasting your time on this path? Uh, everyone thinks you're a joke, but in the bad way. Um, stuff like that. I really obsess over how people perceive me, and I I want to try as hard as possible to control that. Um, well, I don't want to try as hard as possible. I wish that I could control that, but I don't, you know, I don't make an effort to, I honestly, my persona is like kind of a moron. Like my public persona is like a funny moron, which is fine because that's funny, but I wish it was more of a s- funny, smart guy, you know, <laughs> but
2: you are a smart guy. Thank
1: you. I appreciate it. But I feel like as a
2: moron would honestly be one of the last words I would, oh, I would use to describe you.
1: Thanks. Well then again, all of this is unfounded. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which ironically makes you an idiot.
1: Yes. Okay. Idiot. It's fine. I'm fine with being <laughs> an idiot. But a moron. All right. That's good to know. But I feel like like I feel like every other comic who sees like a joke I put on Twitter is just like, who the fuck is this guy? What's what is he doing? When there's no there's been no indication that anyone would think that about me. But my lizard brain is like, they hate you, Danny. They all hate you.
2: I used to think when I, the first years that I was doing dinner and movie, I would be sick if we did like a bit that I thought my peers were going to roll their eyes yes. at. Yes, It To the point where I, w- I would have to get drunk uh going home after a shoot. And it occurred to me after about seven or eight years of doing it, that most of my peers didn't even consider it. Right. You know what I mean? They're like, oh yeah, the show's pretty good. Yeah. They, you know, they could take her to leave it. They... I thought it was yeah
1: that's yeah. a good enough show but, yeah they don't know it nearly well enough to be able to categorize bits and like, yeah. you
2: know. that nobody was yeah. thinking about me as much as I thinking I'm thinking about me and that is the heart of the problem
1: yeah which so, I think is it's I mean I learned that I'm a narcissist because I figured a narcissist just loves himself or herself but I I didn't or realize hates themselves and can't stop see, thinking I didn't about realize themselves. that that was also what a narcissist was and I yeah that's I, definitely. I think a narcissist who appears to love themselves because they're constantly thinking about themselves, but they're constantly thinking about
2: themselves because they don't feel love for themselves.
1: Sure. Yeah. Like they're trying to find, like, this is so gross to even admit, but I'll like, I will imagine, like, if I, if like a friend from high school sends me a Facebook friend request, I'll like look on my profile and look at, you know, the latest jokes I have and my latest pictures and like try to, try to be like, All right. They'll see that I'm doing great, right? Like they'll. Am I
2: presentable before I open the door? Exactly.
1: I'm doing like, yeah, right. I'm in my underwear. Yeah. I'm doing like theory. I'm, I'm trying to read how they would perceive me. I'm doing like theory of mind stuff on their, on how they would look at my Facebook wall. It's, it's so, it's such a waste of time, but it consumes me.
2: I just cut somebody unfriended somebody from grade school that was in a tight circle of friends that I, that I grew up with. There was a tight circle of like eight of us and was so freeing to just click on friend because he was just a oh. homophobic, racist oh. asshole. And I was like, why? This guy posts things that make me angry. Right. He's insulting people that I know me. and love. Or, yeah, yeah or and insulting my own, to me. Yeah, exactly. He would make these backhanded comments. And suddenly I was just like, why the fuck do I yeah. unfriend? And I felt so good about it. So yeah. um, I don't know. That's something to, to consider is – if somebody's opinion of you is making you really anxious, ask yourself, why do I have this person in my life?
1: Um, yeah, I agree. I feel like in I feel like in that case for me, it's it's more my problem. It's not specific to anyone. It's like I need to know that people from high school right. are so, seeing me thrive. So he's just represents a crowd. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it is fun clicking on friend on shitheads. That's oh, so powerful. It's great. It's yeah. It should, it should have a noise that
2: accompanies it. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. That was easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other, uh, negative self-talk
1: or issues you want to talk about before we wrap up? Um, yeah. So one more thing, and this isn't even so much, it it comes from myself, but it's not so much about myself as I have. And I've talked to a few people who, who have told me that this is a normal, not normal thing, but a not unheard of thing. Um, I have this. I have this fear that the world will end within my life. Like, but mm-hmm. it's just getting bad enough that it's that it will end soon. Um, which I feel like, I feel like right now that's not so far fetched to think. And I also feel, I also know that every every generation has felt that about mm-hmm. themselves. Um, but that's another thing that really just, you know, chews away at me. Weighs on you. Weighs on me. Uh, yeah, I,
2: I do too. I think that's why zombie and post-apocalyptic things are so popular and why mm, i find sure, an yeah. odd comfort in them because it's like, well yeah. oh, this is the closest i get to jumping into a time machine to see what's going to happen yeah um but i very much i think about the drought and climate change mm-hmm. all the time and as i'm sure it's why i get so angry and triggered by people that deny climate change yes well,
1: why what what are you gaining from what are it? you
2: gaining from it and i think it's I think it's just a, a way of upsetting people that they're politically um mm. opposed to. I'm sure some people probably also believe the the two scientists in the world paid for <laughs> by the right. Koch brothers that, <laughs> that
1: <laughs> flown yeah. in by the Koch brothers yeah. and like a thousand scientists were questioned and they yeah they chose those two. Um but that's that again, that's really comforting so that's a to big know. Yeah, yeah, and like just the way it seems like I will
2: have a seat for you in my bunker.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.
2: you. You won't get any water or canned food. Well,
1: sure. Not a bunk, but I can sit on the floor. Yeah. I can scavenge if I feel brave enough. I, that's very big of you. I think I think it. the larger umbrella of
2: that issue is how can we learn to accept people that we don't agree with? Sure. What do we have yeah. control over and what do we not have control over? And I think the only way, the only action... I think the the more noble action than flaming these people on Facebook is, to, which I've been guilty of, is to because um, that feels great too. Put, well, it does, and then it doesn't. It, it is to work uh, on behalf of the political process to try to see that we have better leaders. But uh, boy, that's a cynical, depressing thing to lend your efforts to. Because oh, that whole world, yeah, that yeah.
1: that's it's we are a drop in the biggest ocean on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. uh
2: but the urge is to try to control it, and if I can't control it, lash out. Yeah, and it's an it's a miserable
1: way to live. Yeah, it is. We're miserable. <laughs> it's a good note to end on,
2: and that's why <laughs> that's why there's so many comedians.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Our misery, our, our we express socially acceptable misery and anger.
1: We do. Yeah, people crave it. Like yeah. we make it look appealing. Yeah,
2: not you and I so much, but
1: right, sure, but the, the good, good
2: ones. ones. <laughs> yeah. How do we not end on you and I both saying the good ones at the same time? <laughs>
1: that was magical.
2: Danny, I really enjoyed, uh, you. talking to you. If, Likewise. Pe- if people want to follow you on Twitter, you're you at Danny Hatch. You can follow me
1: at Danny Hatch. We're Keith and the girl's going on tour in October. You can check out katg.com slash tour. com. Yes. Slash tour. Yes. Danny Hatch. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was really great.
2: Really, really enjoyed talking to, uh, to him. What a great guy. Made me laugh too. Um, before I take it out with some surveys, I want to remind you that there are a couple different ways you can support the podcast if you feel so inclined. You can go to our website, mentalpod.com, and you can make a one-time PayPal donation or my favorite. You can become a monthly donor for as little as five bucks a month, and it may not seem like a lot of money to you, but it makes a huge difference in keeping the podcast going. It's um, yeah, we, we really need to expand uh, the podcast, and there's just not the budget to do it. There are people that I would like to hire to help out. There, are, I would like to go outside Los Angeles um, and record people other than... Um locals here. I would like to go to other countries and record people, and there's just not a budget to do it. I mean, the trip that I took to New York um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, wound up losing about $1,500 on, on doing it. So um, we could really, really use your help. And for those of you that that are financially strapped, please don't feel uh, guilty about not supporting the show. Um, the feedback that I get from you is um, is a payment, um in a sense that um that means a lot to me, so um I hope that was codependent enough. Is everybody okay? Have I taken care of everybody? <laughs> have I apologized? Have I <laughs> have I apologized sufficiently for having needs? <laughs> I need a I need a sip of tea. Let's have a sip, huh? People with misophonia, you might want to go clean the house right now. Herbert and Ivy say hi. This is from the I Was Hospitalized survey. This is filled out by um, a woman who calls herself (laughs) Looney Bin Dropout. And uh, she was hospitalized. She writes, I was wrongly put on a 5150 hold in California. Uh, Describe your experience. It was the most unhelpful experience in my mental health recovery. My medications were suddenly changed. I was not allowed to speak to my real doctors and therapists on the outside. I was scared. I was threatened that if I didn't eat or participate or come out of my room, I would have to stay longer. Since I lived with my same-sex partner, they they would not release me unless my family was there, whom lived across the country. My father had to fly out to L.A. to get them to let me out. I'm so sorry that you had to experience that. That is uh and then when people, you know, when people say, "Oh, what, you know what are the gays complaining about? You know, they got it good." Oh yeah. If 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 we could just put you in the shoes of somebody without equal rights for a day, um that would be a really nice thing to do. This is uh, from the Shame and Secret Survey filled out by a gender-fluid person who calls themselves Coffee Vampire. They are uh, in their 20s uh, asexual, raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment. Um, Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. When I was younger, like all children sometimes do, we would play pretend and act like characters from movies, stories, etc. A cousin would always have me play male roles, uh, this lasted all uh th- all through until age sixteen. Eventually, I would do any sexual favor she asked uh, with her. I was her guinea pig. She would date people, but I was only hers. She was the only one who quote loved me. I blame those events for my hate of sometimes being a female when I was so long uh, acting as a male. She's been emotionally abused uh, She writes with a very strict family, I was often shamed uh for how I dressed and what I liked. I grew up uh, taking my dad to bars and watching as he drowned down his own depression while abusing my mother. When I started dating, my relationships would always end due to my choice of not wanting sex. If anything, intimacy made me uncomfortable. My ex-boyfriends, a a teacher, and even my family would always tell me I would die alone. That's a nice thing. That's really best to put in a card. Enjoy your solitary death. Um... And have a merry Christmas. She writes, "Not that I was not uh, that I was not normal, because uh, every human being is interested sexually in another, and that I was instead being a cruel bitch that was denying my partner's needs." Uh, any positive experiences with your abusers, regardless of the cruel words. I love my family. Time has changed them some. However, there are things I will never tell them about myself or how I feel darkest thoughts sometimes i cannot help but think over and over again how i wished i was male when i see happy couples deep down it makes me sick inside and i can't help but think how lucky they are to be so happy when every day i feel like i'll never belong anywhere or be truly loved darkest secrets I am shamefully interested in gay porn. I cannot stand females and only find attraction to two males. My family and people I know cannot stand gays, so I constantly have to hide this interest. I still continue to role-play as male with people via social media because when I do, I am not here in reality. Instead, I am completely someone else. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Deep down, I still... uh, I still feel like being those male roles. I want to be a gay male happily with another. Though sex has not interested me in real life other than uh, virtually role-playing, I like the idea of being a dominant male with a partner who will do anything I ask of them. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? To my family, all those constant put-downs have led me to feel like I will never be perfect enough, that maybe I will die alone and you can say I told you so. To my exes, sex is not a need. As much as people like it, it is not a requirement to live. I was not in the wrong for denying you, for denying, uh, because you cannot understand how much asking me all the time makes me feel like nothing more than a tool you just want for your own sexual pleasures. What, if anything, do you wish for? One day, I hope I won't be alone. I wish I can finally be myself for once and be accepting for the scars, insecurities, and overall baggage that I have, that I don't mean to be jealous, envious, cold, and controlling. Have you shared these things with others? I have some of it. It was awkward, and nothing really came of it. How do you feel after writing these things down? I feel like I really should not complain because life could always be worse, but that does not stop the constant sadness I feel. Please give weight to what you're feeling, and don't minimize it. I mean, look at the look at the theme in the in the surveys we've read so far. And that wasn't even that wasn't even conscious on my part to arrange these. Uh, I wasn't even thinking like, oh, I'm going to make a point by having you know, five surveys. Uh, you know, five out of the first seven surveys um, be about minimizing and saying, well, I don't have it as bad as somebody else. Um, is there anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? I cannot really picture someone sharing my thoughts and experiences, but if they have, I am sorry. I know what it feels like to be alone in a world full of people. There are people that feel the way that you do, and um, you know, a good place to start might be going uh, on the forum. And I think there's a thread. Um, I think there may be an asexuality thread. I'm not sure where it is, and if and, and if I don't have one, uh, email me, and I'll I'll uh, I'll. Create one, but um, I know there are people in the forum uh, that experience the same thing that, that you're experiencing, and uh, listen to the episode with Kelly M. Um, she talks about asexuality, and I know that she uh, found a lot of comfort on the uh, I think it's the website Ace. I'm, I'm not sure, sure the exact address of it, but um, I'm sure if you Google it, you would uh, you would find it. Can I be less of a help? <sighs> the important thing is I put myself down. That's always the nice way to wrap things up. Uh, this is a happy moment filled out by a woman who calls herself Angler Fish. And she writes, I was in the middle of a horrible migraine. There were a thousand things my anxiety wanted me to do, but I curled up on the couch in too much pain to do any of them. To my surprise, my emotionally distant mother sat down beside me, and enveloped me in the kind of hug I have rarely known since I was a toddler. I felt so safe and protected and loved. I knew that she was there for me in that moment, even though she might not have been there when I needed her in the past. I laid my head on her chest and fell asleep, listening to the beating of her heart. That's beautiful. And she's uh, she's 16. Thank you for that. God, I love moments like that. This is a shame and secrets survey filled out by a guy. Hold on, sip of tea. Filled out by a guy who calls himself not as sharp as Pardo. A reference to my uh, one of my good friends, Jimmy Pardo. Uh, he is straight, he's in his 30s. He was raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment. He's never been sexually abused uh he's been emotionally abused he writes i i was sent upwards of 50 long emails over the course of a few weeks by my former best friend telling me that i'm an awful person that my future kids would be fucked up my family is evil etc uh any positive experiences with the abuser we were best friends for many years darkest thoughts driving into a ditch or concrete barrier on the freeway darkest secrets My wife was asleep in the apartment. A friend of hers and I were tipsy. The friend, quote, Jane, suggested going to the pool. It seemed like a perfectly fine idea. It was about 1 a.m. We got in and she became frightened, thinking there were dead bugs at the bottom of the pool. She clung to me. I showed her that they were just leaves. We started talking. She made eyes with me. Suddenly, we had to be quiet to avoid attracting attention of other residents walking by. I touched Jane's leg. I apologized immediately. She said it was okay. We got out of the pool. It was 55 degrees out and raining. She told me to, quote, come here. We kissed and it was amazing. Suddenly we stopped, both of us with guilty expressions on our faces, holding each other, shivering. To me, it felt like the apocalypse was happening and we were the last two people on earth. We parted ways, both of us agreeing not to tell my wife. I jerked off, got into bed, spooned my wife, and went to sleep. Sorry if this is too hacky. I am an asshole. That's not hacky at all. Um, let's see. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Uh, I have a thing for girls in socks or stockings. It's just, if just a thigh is showing, that's the best. It makes me feel horny, dirty, and ashamed. Why would you feel ashamed? That's, uh, it is sexy. I love that look too. Uh, have you shared these things with others? With two friends, they saw I was very upset and conflicted about it. They were non-judgmental. I assume he's talking about the, the thing in the pool. How do you feel after writing these things down? A little better. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I will let you know that that uh, there is somebody out there. I will let Jimmy know that there is somebody out there that is not as sharp as him, in your, in your words. This is from the What Has Helped You survey, and this was filled out by a uh, woman who calls herself She Lives. And her her, uh, issues are uh, chronic depression, anxiety, body image, compulsive overeating, an overbearing father, an unfortunate tendency to feel crippling existential angst. And uh, what, if anything, uh, have people said or done for you that has helped you with your issues? And she writes... I'm not very good with listening to the advice of others. After years of expecting comfort and empathy from certain people, but only being disappointed, sometimes crushingly hurt, the person I trust most is myself, even if I'm not reliable or reasonable when I'm at my lowest. But I often think back to a moment a few years ago, on a night during spring break with my friends. Some of us had reached a point of being teary drunk. It was contagious. And I was sitting on the curb of a sidewalk surrounded by loud music, partygoers stumbling from one club to the next, and blaring lights from convenience stores and fast food joints. I felt like crawling into a pit and dying there, and in the fog of my intoxication, and with the feeling like I was far, far away from the world, I mumbled, I feel so empty. My friend sitting next to me heard me. She didn't say a thing, but held my hand for a few seconds and squeezed it. I marveled then, and still marveled now, at how it was exactly what I needed because I don't think I've ever experienced a moment like that again. That's a little sad, I suppose, but it's motivated me to become a better listener for others. It's usually in the gentle, patient silences that someone's hurt emerges. And as I or we know all too well, sometimes saying things out loud can be a small but significant step towards self-care. Wow, that is beautiful. So beautifully put. So beautifully put. Thank you so much for that. You know, there's there's some times when I'm reading your guys' surveys and I just feel like the luckiest guy in the world. I just feel like how did I stumble into this amazing job of just having the privilege of, of people opening up and, and expressing such depth? inside themselves and such pain and such beauty and such joy um, in a way that never becomes repetitive. It's just amazing. It's amazing. This is from the Struggle in a Sentence Survey. This was filled out by a guy who calls himself shit. I woke up again.
0: I think I'm related to
2: you. About his depression, he writes, Having the tether break from your spaceship, floating helplessly into space, and hearing your co-workers saying, you have yourself another wonderful day now. (laughs) You are my new best friend. About his anxiety, the thought of having to take a shower in the morning is as easy as curing cancer by 9 a.m. About his sex addiction, thinking you have it cured and then realizing you don't after you see your first woman of the day. Snapshot from his life. Having a psychiatrist in the psych hospital Google love addiction because he'd never heard of it. Through the years, I've concluded that 90% of all psychiatrists and therapists are totally worthless. I wouldn't say 90%, but I would say there is a a chunk of them um, that are um, incompetent, but I believe the majority are. And I believe a minority of them, a large minority of them, are fucking amazing and life-saving and necessary. This is from the What Has Helped You survey filled out by a woman who calls herself not witty today and her issues are depression and PTSD and what helps her? Exercise, healthy eating, meds, target setting, reframing, uh, knitting, and therapy. And what have people said or done that has helped you with your issues? And she writes, my sister talked about one of her teachers, a brilliant therapist, and it made me want to go. There's so many examples that we could point to of when we open up about ourselves and our pain, how it helps others. You know, if her sister had decided that she was going to be ashamed about having, about seeing a therapist, um, you would, that woman might never have gotten up the courage or the inspiration to, to go see her own therapist. This is from the Shame and Secret Survey, uh, filled out by a woman who calls herself, I Want to Heal the World. She is straight. She's in her 50s. Uh, She was raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. She was, uh, she's been the victim of sexual abuse, and one time she reported it, and another time she never reported it. Uh, She writes, I had a dream when I was about, when I was nine about laying on a stone slab, with lots of people in cloaks around me in a circle at night. I woke up with my clitoris throbbing and did not think I had had any sexual abuse or sexual knowledge up until then. It has made me wonder what might have happened. My stepbrother used to steal my panties when I was around 13 to 14 and used to feel me up whenever I went into his room. I kind of liked it as we pretended nothing was happening. Around that same age, I would strip naked and stand at my window that overlooked the street, hoping that passerby would see me. The first, My first boyfriend I gave my virginity to after tequila uh, at 15 shared me with his 28-year-old brother and told me that they share everything. From then on, sex made me popular, and I have never told anyone. I was raped in a relationship at 22 and left soon after. I was also raped at 23 while walking the dog with my so-called friend from my village. I did not report it, and I felt angry for a long time, but because he threw me down in jest and i was giggling and saying stop it i assumed it was not rape then we went for tea at an old lady's house and i washed his sperm out of my panties in her bathroom and never saw him again i'm so sorry that you've had to experience um such repetitive repetitive abuse um she's been physically and emotionally abused she writes i lived with an undiagnosed schizophrenic stepmother and my secretly gay workaholic father um man, that is a combination. Wow. From age four to nine and was the scapegoat and middle child. My brother would try to protect me from getting beaten and locked in a room with bread and water and my younger stepsister was the golden princess who would break windows and I would get the blame. I remember sleeping with the dogs in order to get cuddled at night. Wow, let that sink in. Sleeping with the dogs in order to get cuddled at night. Despite doing a shitload of therapy in later years, I have attracted narcissistic men. The last was a violent drunk, and I had him deported to his native England after attacking me twice, so I'm getting better, exclamation point, ha ha. Uh, Any positive experiences with your abusers? My dad woke me up uh, once to go to the fun fair. When he drove me across the country to go live with my mom as I was the difficult child, I remember that drive as it felt special to have him to myself darkest thoughts. A school friend when I was 13 made me lie down with her six-year-old nephew in between us and have him touch us. I felt uncomfortable and it lasted a minute or so, but I felt like a child abuser ever since. No, I would say that that is, that is on the uh, conscience of the people that were um, abusing you and abusing her. And um, that's my that is my take on that darkest secrets. Uh, I think there is some ritual abuse that may have happened. And while I don't feel it is holding me back, uh, I would like to know for curiosity's sake, my sexual fantasies are incestuous. Well, you did experience incest. Um, the things that your brother, your stepbrother did. Um, I mean, that's, um, you know, there doesn't have to be penetration for something to be incest there doesn't even have to be touching of genitals for for there to be incest you know a sibling making another sibling strip for them or spying on them um you know just violating any kind of uh, sexual boundary um is is incest so uh sexual fantasy is most powerful to you uh in, incestuous and being used What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I would like to shout at my stepmother. Shortly after I left her and my siblings and father, they found God and became fundamental Christians, and I became the secret child from their life before. I didn't see my father or brother for 15 years until I tracked them down, and he didn't want me to ruffle any feathers for fear of their reputation in the community becoming damaged. What, if anything, do you wish for to be able to stay vulnerable and feminine in the presence of a good man and to learn how to trust men? It is so much safer to be an introvert, but it's so- it's such a small it's such a small life and 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 I think that's so common for people who have been sexually abused is to become um socially and sexually anorexic and um it may feel safe, but you deserve better you deserve a bigger life and so Maybe getting into some, into some kind of support group to to slowly learn how to trust and be intimate, and to improve your your radar and to read red flags to avoid toxic people. That that to me would seem like a a better way to to care for yourself. But I certainly understand that impulse to just want to go. Shut the world out. I've been doing it almost every day for the last four months. You know, I get up about 11 and by four o'clock, I just have to come lay down for an hour and a half. I just, uh, I just want to, it's like all I can take is the world four or five hours at a, a, at a time. Um, But it's not, it's not a long term solution. in in my opinion. Have you shared these things with others? Nope. I talk a little about the emotional and physical stuff in my classes as I work as an inspirational teacher in my community, so just enough to let others know that healing is possible. How do you feel after writing these things down? Good. Thank you for giving me a voice. Uh, Anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? Don't stay mad. Healing is the best revenge. Thank you for that. This is, hold on, sip a tea. This is from, um, this is an awful moment filled out by, and this one is, this one is heartbreaking, but, um, and it's awful some, not in that there's humor to it, just in how, now nah, I'm just going to read it. And I debated on whether or not to read it because, because it's so heavy, but it's so, it, sticking with our unintended theme of um, minimizing our own, pain. Um, She writes, uh, after raping me for the fourth time that day, my abuser slid to the bottom of my bedroom floor and cried. I was very little, maybe eight or nine, and I can't remember exactly what was being said, but I think it had to do with their absent mother, question mark. I was little enough that I had to jump from my bed to get onto the floor, and I crawled into their lap, held them while they cried, and tried my best to comfort them. My body remembers this moment more clearly than my head where I can still feel uh, where on my arm their big hand cupped, what their chin felt like on the top of my head, what their chest felt like against my cheek, how cold my small feet were, and the dirty, terrible feeling of dried blood between my tiny thighs. I remember thinking to myself, I wish I knew what to say that would make their pain go away. One of those speechless moments. Just one of those. I'm sorry if I bummed you guys out with that one, but I I, I had to read it. I mean, that is just so... You know, I I know that I always wanna give hugs on, on this show, but man, I really want to give you a hug. Oh my god. Wow. All right, let's let's lighten it up with this next one. Uh this is an awful moment, uh, filled out by a woman who calls herself not normal. <laughs> not otherwise specified and her awful moment she writes when i was in the psychiatric er three years ago due to suic- suicidality my parents found out and insisted in coming from about an hour or two away to support me and this would entail them entering my apartment without me being present a close relative of mine um biologically 10 years older uh, than me uh, my aunt uh, who is like his sister, had already been with me at the ER and asked me if I needed to hide anything, she was thinking marijuana, before my parents arrived. It then occurred to me that I had left my trusty, slightly oversized for me, mountable vibrator with a suction cup at the base, laying out in the open in my apartment. I do not usually share details of sexual intimacy with my aunt, but I sucked it up and requested that she hide it. She later told me with a laugh that she used a plastic bag to lift it and then accidentally dropped it on the floor. She said, it then turned on and began to gyrate and quiver on my floor, which she found to be a hilarious sight. Those things seem to have lives of their own. She managed to turn it off and hide it away. We both had a good laugh when she told me about it, despite the dark, surreal circumstances. Now that is a relative I am incredibly lucky to have in my life. That's like a Christmas present. That is like a Christmas present. Thank you for that. And then um, lastly, I want to read this uh, happy moment. Now, this is kind of a bittersweet one, but ultimately very, very happy, um, I think, filled out by uh, Moon Senders, who has filled out some surveys for us in the past. And she writes, uh, I had a hugely happy moment the morning of October 3rd in Portland, Oregon, just a week and a half ago. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, I uh, had an out-of-the-darkness walk to raise money for suicide prevention. I decided that I would start a team for the walk. I called it Wolfpack for Life. I thought maybe one or two people would join me, but our team ended up having 15 people and over 20 people donate to my cause. My parents drove three hours uh, to be there, and my sister even flew up from California just to walk with me. The reason that this was such a happy moment for me was because it was a celebration of the fact that I am alive today. These friends and family members had to go through so much worry and pain when they knew I was buried in the blackness of depression and bipolar disorder. Thirteen or so years ago, I tried to kill myself. Every day for six to eight years, at every moment, I had to make that choice whether I would kill myself then or stay alive for a few moments or a day longer. It was truly hell for me. Over the years of that darkness, I got help in many ways and slowly, slowly stepped back into life. I can say now that I am happy to be alive, and the openness I have about sharing my story is helping others. What a gift! So, as I walked with these people that loved me and were physically showing the joy that they have in my life, I was so touched and glad that I didn't die by my suicide attempts. As my sister and I walked past the memory garden that was set up for people to put pictures up in memory of those they lost by suicide, my sister looked at me and said simply and earnestly, I am glad that you are not up there. Tears immediately came to both our eyes, and all we could do was stand there in the middle of the crowds, embracing each other tightly. The memories flooded us both, but the joy and relief washed over it all. I cannot live this life alone. It is the relationships and journey together that make it worth it all. So beautiful. Again, I feel so so lucky to have this job. I guess you would call it. Um, you know, I was I was thinking today of my decision to to get help a little over twelve, thirteen years ago. Um I actually really about uh really in kind of late nineteen ninety nine, you know, I was still drinking, but I went to see a psychiatrist for the first time. And today I thought of the an analogy for it was our the dog that we had, and my wife and I had before we ever um before we got Herbert and Ivy was a dog named Charlie. And we found her near Charlevoix in Michigan in I don't know, like 1990, 89 or 90. And we were driving on highway 41 near Petoskey, Michigan between I think like Petoskey and Charlevoix. Um, And all of a sudden we see this and and it's in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing around, it's just this two lane highway. And all of a sudden we see uh, a motorcycle stopped and there's a dog in the middle of the highway. And we said to the guy on the motorcycle, you know, what's going on? He said, well, you know, this dog is, uh, you know, I think been abandoned or something. And we were trying to call the dog towards us and it looked at us and it turned around and it started walking away from us down this endless stretch of highway, you know, that just went into infinity. And after (laughs) taking a few steps, you could see the wheels turning in Charlie's brain. It took a few steps. It saw the nothingness and stopped and looked back at us and looked at the stretch of highway in front of it. And then it slowly came back to us. And we took it up on our arms and we adopted her. And, uh, you know, we reported her in case, you know, somebody... I had lost her, but nobody ever claimed her and um and I think of that moment you know when we're struggling that we can we can just continue trying to do ourselves just do it alone into infinity or we can roll the dice and go towards people that uh you know we're We're not sure what's going to happen. Can I trust this person? And uh, yeah, sometimes we get let down by people that maybe that we open up to or we have a bad encounter with a therapist or something. But um, overall, the overwhelming majority of people when you're heading in that direction of of help are going to make your lives better. And Charlie had an amazing life. We had her for another, I think we had her for, Till she was 15 years old. She survived a tumor the size of a softball. I mean, just, it was amazing. It was just amazing. And I don't know, I just, uh, I wanted to share that because I was almost that guy that, that walked into infinity and wanted to try to fix it myself. And while I was thinking about suicide 50 times a day, and I'm so glad I turned around on that highway because now I get to... I get to have this community with you guys and it, um, it brings so much meaning and purpose to my life. You know, even on my darkest days, um, it's, it, um, it gives me so much. So if you're out there and you're feeling stuck, just know you're not alone. Turn around, come towards us. We're not going to bite. And, uh, thanks for listening.
0: Everybody I know is bizarrely everybody I know, know weird is bizarrely fucked up in, weird is bizarrely up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up you. in some weird way.